Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There is a story for everyone here, because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybox together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Do you want to discover how to go beyond traditional manifestation and live your soul's true purpose? Then my friends, my guest today is none other than the revered Dr. Michael Beckwith. Now, he is the founder of Agape International Spiritual Center, a trans-denominational spiritual community with a congregation of over 9,000 members. He has appeared on the Dr. Oz uh, show, Oprah Winfrey show, Larry King Live, the late Larry King, and his own PBS special, The Answer Is You. He's spreading his message to millions of people. He has also participated alongside the Dalai Lama and other new thought ministers in the synthesis dialogues, if I can say that word, synthesis, <laughs> correctly. But Dr. Beckwith is the creator of Life Visioning Process, which he teaches all over the globe through his books and seminars. At its core, the process is a way to fully embrace your connection to the divine and let the universe serve through you. Dr. Beckwith has a number of uh, courses that you can go and check out. Links for these are in the show notes below, especially through Mind Valley. So he has one on discover how to go beyond traditional manifesting and live your soul's purpose. So uh, some of the questions that he answers in that course is why you can't manifest the things you really want, the difference between manifesting versus true manifesting, the four stages of spiritual development, how to surrender to your soul's grander vision, and so much more. Highly encourage you to go and check that out if you're interested. But for this conversation in particular, I had so much fun speaking to Dr. Beckwith. He's a new friend, uh, and I guess you could say a mentor from afar as well. Uh, he's got a lot of insights into many different things about love, uh, hate, uh, especially enjoyed that part of the conversation, why we hate in particular. So I feel like that part in the conversation is an extremely powerful section. Uh, so if you do get something from this one, and I have no doubt that you will, share it around to your friends and family. Go and check out the Mind Valley courses too. Uh, also, all the links for everything, Dr. Beckwith's books. You can watch the full video now on YouTube. Everything, all in the show notes below too. It will be on uh, Facebook, Instagram, everything that you need is all over there. So it's very, very simple for you guys. Uh, anyway, you guys know what time it is. Time for me to be quiet and for us to dive into the story box today because we're going to learn from the spiritual leader himself and listen to his story too. So get comfortable, get excited because Dr. Michael Beckwith is up right now. <laughs> it's my joy to be with you every time I have an opportunity to just have a new friend or to have an opportunity to speak to people. I'm overjoyed. So thank you for the invitation. It's my absolute pleasure. We're just speaking a moment ago about my movie posters and all that sort of stuff. And when someone knows the Princess Bride, especially, they're <laughs> automatically my my new friend. <laughs> it's <laughs> set in stone. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a classic movie. And 
you know, my family still likes to watch it <laughs> on a, on a semi-regular basis. You, you know, you find new places, new places to laugh at watching yes. it again. Same yeah. here. As you wish, or my name is Inigo Montoya. You kill my father, prepare to die. All the right. classic lines right. in that movie. Right. Right. Uh, right. We watch it now. I think it's like, it's a yearly occurrence. Like we have to yeah. watch it at least one or twice a year. But right. anyway, right. I could go off on that movie forever, but it's great to have you here. The first question that I love asking all my guests at the very start is what does success look like for you? When I, 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 when I think of success, I consider what I call soulful success. And that is <clears throat> we're constantly unfolding on a soul level as we're participating in the world. So that I, I know there's a Western view of success about accumulation and getting, but real success is how much you give and how much you share before you leave the planet. So that real success is activating your gifts, talents, and capacities so that you can share the gift, which will also bring about a greater degree of prosperity in your life. But the generosity factor is high and the unfoldment of your soul is very high. Mm. So real success is actually growth. Mm. It's you're actually growing and becoming the next great vision and version of yourself as a way of life, mm. of which uh, many people miss that. But that's how I see success. So two questions coming from that, if you don't mind. So the first one is, when was the moment for you that you realized that using your gifts or giving was success for you? Has it been this gradual thing over time or was there a catalyst moment somewhere? And the second question, sorry, <laughs> it kind of ties into it. For someone that doesn't know their own gifts and talents, so to speak, how can we help them unlock them? Very good. Two good questions. One, uh, in terms of where I discovered it for myself, first of all, it was a feeling that I received when I was a, a small child, um, I don't know, 10 or 11 years old, the next door neighbor was going to feed the homeless mm -hmm. with her church. And for some reason I asked, could I come? My mother allowed me to go. And I got this deep feeling, you know, we would visit people in, in the, the uh, senior citizen homes. we were feeding people. It was a whole day of activity. And I remember coming home and feeling very fulfilled. Now I'm a young kid. I, 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 don't, I didn't know what that feeling was, but I always remember that feeling in terms of being in service, in terms of, of giving to others. And then a similar moment happened um, for me when I woke up uh, consciously. Uh, I had a, a big uh, opening, a spiritual experience, and I could see differently. Maybe we'll talk about this a little later but I could, I could see differently. And it allowed me to know that we were here on the planet to be of service. We're here on the planet to unfold. So I had one as a child and then a major opening as, as an adult. Now, every individual needs to understand, you need to get that, they need to get that there are no accidental people. Um, every individual is a unique expression of infinite potential. So every single being has gift, has talent, has uh, the ability to expand their capacity for more energy to flow through them, every single being. Now, the universal presence through universal law will answer any question that you ask. Mm. And so if you ask, you know, what is trying to emerge through me? What gift am I to give to the world? How can I give? You ask any question along those lines and with sincerity, if you listen, not just with your ears, but listen with your consciousness, with your heart, you will be given what feels like nudges, serendipity, coincidences, things will show up that will be like breadcrumbs along the way to your particular mission on the planet. Many people don't ask the right question. They'll ask, you know, what's wrong with me? Who's to blame? You know, why do bad things keep happening to me? Things of that particular nature. But if you ask what's trying to emerge, if you ask, you know, what gift am I to give? You will get that answer. And with, you know, you, you mentioned that I developed what is called the life envisioning process. You know, as one begins to practice 
this way of being in the world, you begin to activate your spiritual faculty of seeing without eyes and hearing without ears, but you'll catch the broadcast mm. for you. That will be for you in your unfoldment. It's, it's, it's simple, it's profound, but you have to practice it. You have to be available to it. You see? Mm. And, and then when you do cast out those, those questions, those right questions to the universe, so to speak, or God, whatever you want to believe in, you've also got to be patient and wait for them to actually come into your life. They will eventually, but I think oftentimes we as human beings in our finite minds, we get ahead of ourselves. We start overthinking things, the what if scenarios, and that blocks us from reaching that or seeing our own uh, the spiritual elements in, in one's life and getting the blessings and getting everything that we need. I honestly believe that. Well, it's, you're saying the absolute truth because the thing about it is this presence, I call God the presence that's never an absence. Mm. It doesn't go on and off. It's not like work sometimes and it doesn't, you know. So what's happening is the broadcast is happening eternally. The patience is us doing what we need to do to let go of the static so we can actually hear mm. clearly because it's always broadcasting. It's always declaring, it's always speaking, but are we hearing? Mm. So once you ask the question, the patience is you doing the inner work necessary to clear up the static. It's just like, if you have a radio, you know, and you're trying to tune into a particular station, there's static, there's nothing wrong with the broadcast from the source. It's just that you're not tuned in, mm. so you get static. But once you get tuned in, you hear the song clearly. Mm. The same thing with the presence. It's doing its thing. And you, we're doing what we can do to tune in. So we can, oh, there's my intuition. Oh, there's my direct knowing. Oh, there's my guidance, you see. Mm. And so uh, the patience is combined with you actually clearing away your filters through spiritual practice. You mentioned there that you had two awakenings, the first when you were a child and the second when you were an adult. Yes. And I'm curious, was the, the, the awakening when you were a child different to the awakening that you had as an adult or were they both the same? No, no, no as a child, uh, they were, you know, it was very intuitive. There were a lot of things that were occurring. But as a child, I kept trying to make myself normal. When certain things would happen, I would do what I could to not stand out, to just be a normal person. With, with whatever that normal meant. But as an adult, I was actually the, my senior year at USC uh, college, university. And um, I had, I was killed in a lucid dream that I had almost every night for a long period of time. And I was involved with the spiritual experience was happening to me, but I didn't know that's what it was. I thought it was pathological. I was in the psychobiology department. I thought what was happening to me was pathological. I thought something was wrong with me. Mm. Anyway, long story short, I was killed in this dream. I woke up from the dream and I could see uh, the beauty of the presence was everywhere and the love of the presence penetrated my entire being. I could see 365 degrees, but I wasn't seeing with my eyes. And I could never get back in that box again. What, when I, when I got thrust out of that paradigm, I never could get back again. So I went on a, a, a hunt to discover what had happened to me. And in doing so, I bumped into the great teachings of the world. I bumped into, you know, the art and science of meditation. I bumped into the teachings of the Buddha. I bumped into the teachings of Jesus, Lori Astor, Walter Russell, Ernest Holmes. I bumped into the teachings and saw that what had happened to me was I'd had a tremendous opening. That was my, that was the one as an adult. And I've had subsequent ones throughout the years. I mean, even it was six, seven weeks ago, I had a major one. But that particular one was the one that shot me out, never to go back into this small, narrow viewpoint of being merely human or identifying myself primarily as just the son and the son of my mother and father. There's, there's something else about us. Mm. And so that, that, that still resonates that, that particular revelation that occurred years ago still is unfolding. It's revelatory and a revelation doesn't just happen once it continues to unfold. And so as a kid, I got a feeling as an adult, mm. 
it was it was a tremendous opening. So as an adult, is there a question that you have for God, the universe, whoever it is, that you haven't yet been able to get an answer to? Well, I think the, the primary question I live in today is uh, how can I be of more service mm. uh, or, or derivatives of that question. I don't have any um, questions like something that's unknowable. I, I live in a space of is a constant expansion of awareness of what the presence is. And I know that where I am right now I'm barely scratching the surface as to where I will be as this continues to unfold. Um, I think maybe many years ago, I had certain questions about the nature of reality and things of that particular nature. But what has come to me is that uh, there's a presence that's never an absence. It's everywhere in its fullness. It's constantly giving of itself totally and completely. It doesn't have any withhold. Um, and as we are receptive to it, it knows itself as us. You see, it, it, it actually knows, see the presence of God, if, that's, if you wanna use that word, and when I use that word, I'm not speaking of a man in the sky, I'm speaking of a spiritual presence. Mm. You know, th this presence uh, is, is all-knowing, it's, it's, om it's omniscient, omnipresent, it's everywhere present, omnipotent, the only power that there is, I'm the active, the only energy underneath all evolution. However, it made each and every one of us as distinct units of infinite potential to represent it. So it wants to know itself as me. It wants to know itself as you. It already knows everything real. It knows everything real. It doesn't know things that, it doesn't know lies. Oh, uh, uh, that's a whole other subject. But, but it wants to know itself as you. Mm. And so as you, as a, you, a unit of infinite potential, you're unlike any other being in the entire cosmos because the presence doesn't do do-overs or repeat itself, you see? Mm. So as you have an insight and you become more you, that's the presence knowing itself as you. We could say the universe is becoming conscious of itself as our life. Mm. You see? So I don't have a, a big foreboding question other than, uh, you know, how can I be of greater service? How can I be more myself? How can I be more authentic? You know, how can I let my original face shine? You know, I kind of, that's kind of where I hang. I hang right in there. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So for yeah. those people that are sort of struggling or wrestling with the spiritual truth of the world right now, and they don't know any, any sort of, they're, they're worried uh, whether or not that, what they believe in now is right or wrong. They've got so many questions, they're not getting answers to them. What would you say to a person that says, Dr. Beckwith, I, I don't believe in the spiritual world, I don't believe in any of this? Well, it, it doesn't matter what an individual believes. <laughs> I mean, belief determines experience. So if, if they have a, a disbelief in a presence, you know, that's just, they'll just experience that. But I do discover that individuals, let's say they're atheistic and say, well, I don't believe in God. Mm. They believe in life and they believe in love and they believe in intelligence. They believe in harmony. They believe in order. So it's a matter of words, you see, because when you speak of the presence, the presence is love, the presence is beauty, the presence is harmony, the presence is intelligence. Mm. So whether you, you take the word God out, that's okay, but love, and the beauty, I'm not talking about a personal love, I'm talking about a transpersonal love of that, that uh, you know, it's, it's without agenda. Mm. Uh, and so I can remember I had to do a memorial service for um, uh, uh, a woman whose son, who happened, you know, he's Jewish, mm. belonged to our community. She was supposed to, she was an atheist. Her other son was an atheist. And they got into an argument because they didn't want me to do this memorial service because mom didn't believe in God. Mm. Only to discover that she was sneaking over here without telling anybody, <laughs> watching her son sing in the choir, but also coming back to hear the talk. Long story short, as I got the families together, I said, you know, as I just told you, listen, your mother believed in love and peace and harmony and generosity and service. 
So whether you call that God or whether you call that life, it doesn't matter. We're going to celebrate her life. And they came to a wonderful agreement, hugged and kissed, and we had a great memorial service. So you can call God life. You know, the only life that there is, permeating all the leaves and the trees, the grass, the earth. It's the only life that there is. Mm-hmm. You see, so it, it, we don't want really to get hung up in a name. God, I believe in God. I don't believe in God. It's silly. Do you believe in life? Do you believe in love? If you do, just start from there and work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you ever see yourself growing up doing this, being this sort of uh, guide for a lot of people? I think I did, but I think I was hiding it from myself. In other words, I, 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 was, I was not the person to run up and try to be a public speaker or anything like that. I was more behind the scenes, very quiet, very solitude, meditative. So to be out in front was not my first inclination. But I can remember growing up, um, like in high school, a lot of my friends would call me Uncle Michael because they would come to me for advice, you know. And so I had a natural way of working with people from high school and college. But I never really um, thought about, I, I never thought I would be what I'm doing today because back in those days, I, I like the people you described, I didn't believe in that stuff. You know, I thought people who would go to church and things like that were kind of um, deluding themselves, you know, and only to discover that I still believe that some aspects of that is a delusion. But underneath that, there's some powerful truth that we can find in all true religions that we can that I that I that I practice. So I think a part of me knew, but a part of me denied it. Mm. You know, I couldn't. And so it came to a point in my life where I couldn't resist it anymore after I had that opening and then uh, discovered that there were communities of people who thought like I thought that that, um, you know, the, the information that was coming to me. I found there were communities that actually believed in this and mm-hmm. practiced this. Then you know, I became a spiritual therapist at one point uh, and I was doing that full time. And then I went to a school of ministry, a metaphysical school of ministry. And, uh, and then ultimately, against all resistance within me, I, I started a spiritual community, <laughs> which, which was, which was um, I, didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> you know, I just followed the dictate of my spirit. And here we are today, five years later, you know. Mm. But so I, did, I didn't see it, but there were evenings along the way. Mm. I call them call them like little, little, uh, strands that you sometimes yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. I could see it in the past. In hindsight, I could see, it. you know, my mother would say, no, you don't remember, but when you were a little boy, you would jump up on the, the, the table and start speaking. You know what I mean? And I, and I remember one time in junior high school at the, and this is, this is coming to my awareness right now. I hadn't thought about this in years. All of us, when we graduated, a lot of our friends went to this little restaurant. And as we were walking to the restaurant, you know, the microphones they have, they'll say, you know, table, you know, with table two, you know, then you go, I saw that microphone, I don't know what passed me. I mean, this graduating from the ninth grade. I grabbed the microphone and I said, okay, one, this is a very serious moment. We all have to pray together now. And the place got silent. And I went into this prayer, said a few words and said, oh man, everybody was very grateful. But I was doing it as a joke. <laughs> but, but something took over and I sat down and it was like, everybody looked at me like, uh, what did you do? And I I don't know, I was about to, I was joking. It got really serious. You know? So there were little strands along the way mm. that let me know that something was trying to come out of it. There's been uh, there's been moments like that in my life where I've been in sort of like this, I guess you could say unconscious state, but I was very conscious in the same respect that I I, I can't remember for the life of me what I said and why I was saying it in the first place, but it was just like it just flowed out of me in the experience, and then I'll go back and then people will ask me like, Jay, do you remember you said this? And I'm like, what? No. It's like completely just, but that's helped me 
move forward in my life somehow, like doing this, being the curious person that I was growing up and seeing all the, the little, little moments in my life, all the questions that I did ask the people, it, it just sort of like it's coming full circle. And I never thought for any, any second that I would be here speaking to Dr. Michael Beckwith today. It's just an insane, those little strands make a huge difference. Yeah, you never know where your path is going to take you. You got to follow your road, as that song says. I, I, the first time I did a public, not the first time I did a public talk, but the first time uh, I spoke in Atlanta, Georgia. I went to Morehouse College before I transferred to USC. Mm. And I, so I went to uh, the Hillside Truth Center and I was the guest speaker there. And so a lot of my old college buddies were there in the audience. And when I finished speaking, they all came up to me and said, man, this is the stuff you were talking about in college. I said, what are you talking about? I, I didn't believe this stuff in college. And they said, yes, you did, man. You're always talking about the cosmic energy and the cosmos and how we're becoming more and more conscious as beings. And, and you know, it, it hit my memory. But, I, but, it, but when I was um, in school, I never put it into a spiritual context. Mm. I just was talking about what I was feeling, you see. Mm. And so the inklings are definitely there, you know. They, they'll show up. Yeah. 100%. When in your life, when you least expected either God or the universe, whatever, to show up in a big way that you least expected, right, that has challenged your perspective on life in general and who you are as a person? Well, two things. Uh, one was a kind of a sad moment. I used to work for... Uh, the mayor of Los Angeles many years ago, and I was assigned uh, to a councilmatic district, and we had developed this senior citizen center, mm. and we also had young teenagers working there, teenagers to young men working there uh, to help them assimilate into society and keep them off the streets, so to speak. One day I come to work, and uh, I, I was restoring an old car, mm. and the young man wanted to fix my carburetor. And I said, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't think so. He said, Mr. Beckwith, please let me fix your carburetor. I'll charge you $30. I know what I'm doing. And at this precise moment, a gigantic angel appeared behind him. Now, I'd never seen an angel before. I mean, it was massive. And it had big wings. And it was standing like this. And it said, like that. So I'm shocked. I'm looking at this angel behind this guy. And I said, no, 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 I, 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 I can't let you do it. So then I went to the other side of the car because I was looking into the sun to make sure I wasn't hallucinating. Mm. And he kept asking me. And, I, and the angel appeared again. No. So I said, no, no, I'm not going to, I can't do it. But I couldn't, I didn't want to tell him I saw an angel, you know. <laughs> and uh, so he's begging and pleading me, please, Mr. Beckwith, I'm going to do a good job. And I said, I, I don't think so. Let me think about it. Maybe, maybe like that. And I left. Mm. So the next day I come to work. Whole office staff is in tears. And I say, what's wrong? And they say, well, he had been killed the night before. Breaking into a car parts store. The night security officer shot and killed him. And I couldn't help but think that he was breaking into this store to get something from my carburetor. So I was very sad uh, about this for a long time. And I felt kind of guilty that I, here I saw a big angel and I allowed my no to become a maybe instead of keeping it a no. Mm. And I, I, obviously he made the choice to break into the thing. The security guard made a choice to kill somebody over a small auto part. You know, that's some heavy karma on one's soul. But that was very shocking and surprising. That, but it made me grow into, and, and, and obviously I'm still growing, mm. grow into making sure my yes is a yes and my no is a no. If I get the, even if it's not logical, if I get the no, 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 I can't do it. Why get not? I don't know why. Mm. Or yes. You mean, that's not even logical to do that, but I'm getting a yes. I'm going to do it. So that was very, very startling. And then another time, um, it's very similar. I was in my living room and sometimes before I meditate, I would say, um, I give thanks 
to my spiritual guides, aids, helpers, seen and unseen, you know, archangel, guardian angel, ancestors. I give thanks to the presence of God. You know, I'll do this thing and I'll just say, give thanks. And right when I finished giving thanks, this voice said, thank you, Michael, and kissed me on top of the head. And I was paralyzed. I fell on the ground and I couldn't move for a couple of hours. I was just like this. I was in bliss. But my body was paralyzed. Mm. And do you know who David Hawkins is? No. Okay. You're going to know. You're going to study. <laughs> awesome. David Hawkins was a great mystic. He wrote the book Power Versus Force. Mm. And he wrote other seminal books, uh, Letting Go. And it's a great, great mystic. He was one of the greatest psychiatrists in America, but he had a mystical experience that really changed his life. Anyway, we were friends. And he would uh, test consciousness with kinesiology. Mm. So when I was with him, I told him what happened and he tested it with kinesiology. And he said, you were kissed by an angel that was vibrating over 7,000. The human body can only handle up to a thousand. That's why you were paralyzed. It changed the trajectory of your life forever. So those were two stunning occurrences that are beyond belief for me, because I'm not walking around thinking about angels necessarily, you know. Um, but I had two encounters, you know, those two, that, at least two encounters, but the two that I'm talking about, that shifted my point of view on a lot of things. Because mm. I had, it wasn't reading a book about it you know, or somebody telling me about it. I actually had the encounter mm. that let me know that the veil is thin and that there are things beyond what we can see. Mm. Yeah. That's an amazing story. Both amazing stories. So I'm fascinated by, you know, the level of energy being kissed on the head by an angel and then being paralyzed. Have you ever been afraid that it might happen again but that you might die from it? Hmm, I never really looked at it that way. Um, I mean, I've had some, some interesting uh, spiritual revelations. Hmm. Um, but understand that when I got kissed, and though I couldn't move my body, I was in total bliss. Hmm. I'm not talking about pleasure or just happiness. I'm talking about the bliss was beyond any earthly joy. And so there was no, it, was, it was no fear of death or anything like that. Now, I will say that about six weeks ago, I'm right here in my office, I was about to do a, a Zoom class or a podcast. I can't remember. I sat back on that couch back there. And before I, I do stuff, I generally will, will meditate, you know, come into coherence with whatever it is I'm supposed to be talking about. And so when I opened my eyes, I was blind. I couldn't see. Mm. So I called in one of my reverends, Reverend Kathleen, I called in Lee. And I said, I can't see, I'm blind. And, and all I could see was white light. I was just engulfed in white light. It was all over. It was sizzling. So then I, so I was, at first I was always scared, you know, at first, because like I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see in front, I couldn't even see my, my hand. And then I realized I was having a, 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 a spiritual opening of some kind. So I sat with it for a while. And then I looked at Kathleen and looked at Lee and I could see this fountain within them of light, like a fountain of light going like this. Wow. And I realized that that was them, that they weren't their body. Now I know this intellectually, mm. that's not their body. They're the light, okay? Then after a little period of time, I could see again, a little bit more and more and more and more, more, I could see both. And then I could see in this dimension again. And the residue, I wouldn't say the residue, the, um, the field of that, of that uh, uh, awakening is still here. It's very present with me. Um, the only thing I was afraid of then was it was I gonna be blind the rest of my life. But it, I, I wasn't supposed to, I, obviously I'm not blind. Um, and, and I've had now your question, I've had a similar experience before, but that was the first time that that kind of thing ever happened when I was with somebody, mm. when the angel kissed me on the head, I was by myself. 
I had other experiences like that. I was always by myself. But this time, there were two people here that saw it. Mm. And um, Lee, when she looks at my eyes, when I go into a certain space, my, she tells me my eyes turn blue. You know, she can tell that I'm, something's happening. Wow. That was the first time I was, I, that ever happened. So no, I'm not afraid. I, I just think that that kind of thing will happen when it's supposed to happen. Mm. You know, and I don't want to get paralyzed driving my car. <laughs> I don't want to go. I don't want to go blind driving my car, and I don't think I will. No, you know, but no, I don't. I don't carry that fear. Have you looked at sort of the meaning behind these for you in particular? Like, is there any specific reason why they have happened at these moments? I think that um, since the first one as an adult, I think this is a constant unfolding of the original revelation, mm. a constant purification. So my, my daily prayer and meditation is constantly cleaning up my filters. So then every now and then I get a kind of a jolt or get kind of a, a, a an expanded awareness. Um, last week, I was in a Sedona, Arizona doing a seven day intensive meditation training with biofeedback equipment and polygraph equipment. Wow. It's very intense. And you're able to consciously go to high states of alpha or theta or delta, depending on what you're working at on and clear up a lot. It's like 20 years of spiritual psychotherapy in, in seven days. Wow. And so the first day, when they looked at my brain waves, they saw that I had a Kundalini experience. They saw that I was producing slow and fast delta waves. And then they saw by the end of the week, I had delta waves over all channels. I was still producing massive amounts of alpha waves, but I was producing delta waves in conscious state, which is a very healing dynamic. It, creates great influence over people for the, for the betterment of people, things of that particular nature. And so it gave me a scientific understanding of some of the things happening with my body and, and gave me greater training so that I can uh, do it even better. Mm. I can, you know, I can, I can activate my prayer at a much more powerful, powerful level. So, you know, that, that place, people should look it up. You know, it's called BioCybernaut. Mm. It's in Sedona, Arizona. The, the gentleman's name is Dr. Jim Hart, H-A-R-D-T. And he was the, um, in the, the first person to develop technology to actually read your alpha waves. Back in the 50s, late 50s, early 60s. Genius. Um, so I, I kind of, I have my spiritual practice, but I love science. Mm. And so going there with the biofeedback and the polygraph, I could actually actually look at my brainwaves and see them. It's not, I'm not making anything up. So when he looked at it, he said, oh, you couldn't open right there. You know, uh, it's not like, oh, I, cause I could feel it. But like, am I, am I making this up? Mm. Am I imagining this? but he showed me on the chart. There it is right there, you see. Um, so I don't even remember what your question was, but. <laughs> it was, it's all good. I think. Um, I, tied in, I tied that into it some kind of way. <laughs> you did, you did. I, I'm, I'm interested in, in all this because I've had, I guess you could say, spiritual experiences where I've been in moments like, for example, 2018, I was in hospital for meningitis. I was actually blind. Like ah. I couldn't see for two days and then I was vision impaired for the other two days. So I struggled to actually see for the other two days, but for the mo most part, I was blind. Now, it's interesting when you don't have sight as one of your, your main senses, what actually happens. And for me... I wasn't focused on the noise around me. I was focused, literally, I went to this other place and I was having a conversation with God. Yeah. And he was asking me all these questions and it was a dialogue back and forth for literally four hours. 
And he was asking me, why am I here? Why am I here? Why are you here, Jay? And then at the very end, because in order to tell if I had meningitis, meningococcal, they have to do a test and it's not exactly pleasant. There's a lot of fear associated with it. So the last question before God left was, do you trust me? And I was like, damn, okay, do I really trust him or not? And I eventually I said, okay, I didn't answer him because he left. I'm like, I need to answer this for myself. Okay, fine. So I said, okay, God, I trust you. Let's do this. And then it was just like, there's a whole other story to that. So I completely understand what you mean, but I, I feel like it is different for everyone, like their own experience. Is that really the case or is it? Everybody's unique. So everybody gets it in a language and in a way that they can understand based upon their particular belief system, you see. Huh. Um, so you will, you, will, you will see it and have a direct encounter with it through the filter that you carry, mm. you see. So I, I, as for, for me, yeah, I have a alienation of God. You know, for me, the presence is it's a, the presence of love and beauty and intelligence. You know, it's life, it's alive. It can personify itself, absolutely. But so it comes to me in a certain way. Mm. You know, ultimately, it comes as a, a, a great degree of unity with it, you know, that, that my life is an emanation of it mm. uh, in, in, the, in the, the high moments. Um, yeah, but everybody has their unique experiences. You know, people who study, like they come up in a Christian household or something, if they have a near death experience, what they experience is in that particular belief system. Mm. Somebody grows up Buddhist and they have a near death experience. They'll, they'll have their belief system will shape the experience. Muslim, Sufi, you see, ultimately, the um, the projection of all of it disappears, and we I think we just come to an awareness that this life is 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 luminosity, it's light and love and beauty without the human trappings of of you know what I mean. Uh, and the human trappings can be beautiful. Mm. It can also be um, a hindrance. Mm. Do you feel like anything is currently missing in your life? Currently missing? Hmm. I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> it's, it's always, I always want to be on the edge of unfolding. Mm. You know? Uh, you know you know the old statement that if you're not on the edge, you're taking up too much space. <laughs> so, mm. so I want to be on the edge of unfolding. Now, that is not to say that my life is without challenge. Mm. I mean, there are challenges that I have to deal with in a community, staffing, finances, you know, there's challenges. But in terms of anything missing, I don't, don't, I don't have a feeling of anything missing in my life. Mm. You know, I have enough challenges to keep me growing. I have enough love, you know, to, to keep me uh, involved the passion to get involved in what I'm doing. Um, I love my life. And when the challenges come, I know that they're bringing a big blessing for me. Mm. You know, every challenge inherently brings a gift or a lesson. Mm. So I try to, try to live and make it the best I can. I love that. What, what do you love the most about yourself? <clears throat> I, I think I love uh, how much I love. I, I, you know, you, you get to a point of maturity where you don't just love someone. You actually love to love. Mm. And, and when you love to love, people are no longer objectified. Like, I love you and you only. You know, you just love to love. So people that come into your atmosphere, you just love, you know. And I think it frees one, no, it frees me from judgment. Uh, so that I just love people, whether I agree with them or not, whether, 
we're in alignment on a particular idea. Oh, they may be out of bounds in certain ways, but they can't keep me from loving them. Mm. I may not like them, <laughs> they can't keep me from loving them. So I, I love that because I see a lot of times people have trouble with human beings. They get impatient, you know, things of that particular nature. And of course, there's a lot to get impatient about. But at the end of the day, uh, I'm not going to give up my loving. Mm. It's not easy to love, especially people that are quite unlovable. <laughs> They're difficult. Yeah. But you just do it anyway. Because yeah, that's why you love. that's why you separate love from like. Yeah. You know, you may not like everybody, but ultimately you love that source of divinity within the person that is the real person that they can't see right now. If they're doing something destructive or oppressive, tyrannical. You can love the light within them, which is their real life, and not like the way it has developed in terms of personality. Mm. Yeah. It goes deeper yeah. than the superficial. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. It's Very easy fun. to love people you like. <laughs> easy, easy to love your friends. You know, that's, that's, that's primary school. <laughs> mm. It's easy to love someone that you agree with. Right. Yeah. But so can you really, can you stretch? And actually have compassion and love someone you totally disagree with. That's that's mm. that's the advanced course. <laughs> mm. We we all we all need that, Doctor Beckwith. <laughs> we all that's need the, to take it. <laughs> that's, the, that's the advanced course. We're we're thrusting and we're in the we're in the course now. We're yeah. in it. Yeah. Well, the old, happening the old the world, world is yeah. The old world is dying. The new world is emerging. Both existing at the same time. Uh, polarities happening. We against them. You know, it's all being played out now into on the screen of life. So we're in the advanced class of transformation right now, mm. you know? And so you got to check in with yourself every day and see how you did. Mm. That's <laughs> it. That so true. Give yourself so, a report card. You know? <laughs> hopefully, because I didn't do too well in school with the report card. So hopefully I do better than uh, a C. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, I'm I'm curious with everything that is going on in the world, obviously being respectful of your time, Dr. Beckwith, like why is it that we have so much hatred in the world? Why is it that we have so much disdain for our brothers and sisters? Well, there's there's, there's two there's two things that need to be discussed here. One, when you look at uh, the media's portrayal of humanity in uh, most part of the world, it's a lot, a lot of part of the world is 50-50, but when you get to the Western world, like America, it's 90% negative and 10% good. So first of all, there's a filter that people are seeing the world through. So you see the world through the worst case scenarios, people shooting each other, people hating, bigotry, racism, etc., robbing, killing. You're not seeing the millions and millions and millions and millions of people who aren't doing that, mm. you know, who are going to bed every single night wanting their kids to be safe, wanting them to go to a good school, wanting to have enough food to be on the table to eat. You're not seeing that. You're seeing worst case scenarios of the human experience. So that becomes a filter through which those who aren't strong enough look at life through. Mm. Okay. So there's probably more good on the planet than uh, destruction, but it doesn't look that way because of the, the symbiotic relationship between governments uh, pharmaceuticals, corporations, and things of that particular nature, which profits off of people's fear. Mm. Okay. So then you have people that have, that are sick. They're pathological, they're, they're, they're psychologically, they're sick. Like if you're a racist, that's, that's a, that's a disease mm. that you actually think because someone has less or more melanin in their skin that they're of another species or of another race or should not exist, that's pathological, you know? So hate is a sickness, you see? And so it, it's, it exacerbates itself and keeps perpetuating itself by uh, individuals who pass that along to their kids and to their friends and, and associates. So I don't ask, you know, why is there so much hate in the world? That's, that's, that's what you call a futile question. It's largely unanswerable. There's a lot of hate in the world because there's a lot of ignorance. Mm. 
Mm. You know, uh, hate grows in ignorance. If an individual is ignorant, there's only one race with different colors, yeah. one race with different cultures, one race with different religious paths to get to the summit. We're all going to the same summit, but we're taking a different path to the summit. It's like you're climbing a mountain and there's this path, there's this path, and there's this path. You know, you can't argue over the paths. We're all going to the same spot, you see? Mm. So, so, there are, so, so the individuals are, you know, are caught up in this milieu of polarity and separation uh, and passing it along. And it's, and it's, it, and it's, a, and it's a pathological, psychological sickness. And it has a very loud voice. And it has a great marketing team mm. because you will hear about it instantly. You know, hate has a marketing team. You know, you shoot somebody, the whole world's going to know about it. You make friends with somebody, you, you have a truth with somebody, you make up with somebody, you make amends with somebody. No one's going to hear about it. Mm. You know, very few will hear about it. They're only going to hear about that, the negative aspect of life. So we're in a, a groundswell now of the old world is dying and a new world is being born. And so chaos always precedes emergence. Mm. The chaos theory says behind all chaos, there's an order trying to emerge. And we're living in that space now. So there's a lot of chaos, a lot of old structures falling, new structures trying to be born other people trying to hold on to the status quo, divide and conquer to keep the status quo in, in sync. <laughs> and so generally when people are afraid, they lash out at what they call the other. Mm. It can be an other religion, it can be an other color, it can be other sexual orientation, but it's the other's fault. When they're afraid and when they're in ignorance, they lash out. So, Perfect love casts out fear, mm. you see, and insight dissolves ignorance. So with spiritual practice and the availability to spiritual insight, ignorance and fear dissolves. I see you as my brother, mm. you see. And as I go deeper, I see you as myself, mm. as an extension of who I am. The sicker I get, the more I see you as separate from me, the more sane I get, the more I see you as a reflection of me, mm -hmm. you see. So the world has taken a nightmare pill. They've gotten back into the matrix mm. and they're living in fear. And that's been perpetuated by governments, pharmaceutical companies and the like, mm. you know, spiritual practice brings you out of all of that. I wrote in my, first ever book called The Path of an Eagle, I decided to <clears throat> tackle this big topic, this vile disease in a way that is understanding for a lot of people because the way I see it and the way I've understood it is that ultimately it comes down to two things that I think you sort of alluded to as well is people hate what they don't understand or what they can't understand. And the second one is they make the choice to hate another person based yeah. around the not lack of understanding. So I, I decided to create this story. And in the story, I, I did it through the eyes of a mother and a little girl. So they're both, uh, they're both black. Uh, and it's from that perspective. But then I shifted around at the end. I don't want to spoil too much. I've got to send it to you later on. But okay. The, the mother, the, the son asks the mother the same question that I asked you. And the mother looks down at her son and basically says, son, there's two reasons why people hate. People hate what they don't understand. And the, the little son uh, looks up at his mom. And he's like, well, I hate not understanding <laughs> as a joke. And the mom says the second reason why people hate is because they make the choice to hate. The difference, though, between a boy is that he will follow along with the crowd because he doesn't understand fully. He makes a choice not to understand fully what's going on around him. And the difference between a man is that a man will actually ask questions and seek out a truth so that he can get understanding, so that he can make the choice to love instead. 
And she asked the son, so son, what do you want to be? Do you want to be a boy or do you want to be a man? And the little boy says, I love you, mom. Yeah. Yeah. You're speaking right to it. Mm. Ignorance. Absolutely. Not knowing. Ignorance and sickness. Absolutely. You're right on it. So I've got to send that to you, but uh, my final question for you, Dr. Beckwith, because I've loved this conversation, but I could speak to you probably for hours. (laughs) Uh, this is my all time favorite question. Uh, I ask it to everyone at the end. It's a hypothetical one, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100 All your friends and your family. I know you will 100%. So this is going to be cool. (laughs) I'll be watching this. (laughs) So when, when you do reach it, your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done, don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic for the sake of argument. But they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? What you've just described is an individual's life review. <laughs> mm-hmm. When they pass over, they, you know, they have a chance to scan their entire life. I, I want my life review to show that for every... Um, Every hurt, every attack, everything that ever uh, appeared to happen to me, I was able to rise and forgive and and release any sense of woundedness from my own soul. I wanted to show that I gave more than I took, Mm. that 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 I tipped the scale on generosity and giving more than on taking and getting. And I want to leave a legacy of, of, of creativity and a, a planting of tremendous seeds where people come into a deep sense of self-worth and self-love and self-appreciation so strong that they no longer block the light of the presence from shining through them. Mm-hmm. So when I look on the arc of my life, all is forgiven. I hold no ill will toward anyone, uh, and that uh, there's a, I've given way more than I've taken, and that I've planted seeds. Many of those seeds I may not even see come to fruition because I'll maybe I may be gone, mm. but I want those seeds to grow and be forest of love and generosity and creativity and beauty and goodwill. Mm. You see. And I think that's it. I feel like that's a, a perfect send-off message, Dr. Beckwith. Where can people find you, connect with you, learn more about your courses as well, Agape, everything? Uh, a couple of ways. They can go to the Spiritual Center at agapelive.com, A-G-A-P-E-L-I-B-E.com. Agape means unconditional love, mm-hmm. the love of God operating in the human heart. Uh, it's it's a non-agenda love. It's a Greek word for the love of God. And uh, they can go to michaelbeckwith.com as well. If they go to michaelbeckwith.com, they could actually download my app if they want. And it's, a lot of it is just free, you know, free inspiration and things like that. If they go to the website, you can actually see my services every Sunday. I know the time difference is big, but they're all archived. You can go on and watch it at any time. Wow. We have meditation service at 6.45 a.m., and then two services later on. Um, as you said, I, I, I've got a number of programs with Mind Valley, a number of programs with the Shift Network, Humanities Team, have programs on prayer, meditation, life visioning. But the best thing I would say uh, to start off, go to agapelive.com, watch the archives, or go to my Michael Beckwith. Or they can go to my Instagram as well, mm-hmm. because I do interviews there and I have inspiration every single day on my Instagram page. Uh, Michael Michael Beckwith and um, there you have it I love it Dr. Beckwith thank you so much for your time today your energy your light everything that you are giving back to the world really do appreciate you thank you for coming on the Storybox podcast today Jay thanks for the invitation and uh, let's do it again I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired 
motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the Storybox, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.